Hello, Monetization Nation. For sales reps that invest in social media, 64% hit their team quota, compared to only 49% of reps hitting their team quota that don't use social media. And the source for that was superoffice.com. In today's episode, we're going to dive into the tectonic shift of social selling with Tim Hughes and explore three common social selling objections and mistakes. We're also going to talk about how COVID-19 has impacted the way we will do business going forward. Tim Hughes is recognized by many as the world's leading pioneer of social selling, and he's currently ranked number one by Analytica as the most influential social selling person in the world. He's the co-founder and CEO of DLA Ignite and co-author of the best-selling books, Social Selling, Techniques to Influence Buyers and Changemakers, and the book, Smarketing, how to achieve competitive advantage through blended sales and marketing. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. All right, can we start off by having you share something that you are super passionate about? Uh, yes, I, I live in the digital world and I, I see myself as quite advanced digitally, but I actually consume my music using physical um, uh, means. So I actually have about 2000 vinyl records, which is in the room next door. I could have got one for you and shown it to you, but um, I actually shoot videos that I based on uh, LinkedIn every week now with the with actually vinyl records basically behind it. So um but that's Love that's it. that's my passion, yeah. So, of all your two thousand vinyl records, what is your favorite right now? Uh, I'm a big uh, I'm a big rock um, person, um, so you know it would always be something like Deep Purple, Made in Japan, um, something like that. I kind of grew up on that. Um, Thin Lizzy, Live and Dangerous, Thin Lizzy, Bad Reputation, all those. Led Zeppelin was it um, fifty years. Yesterday was the the anniversary of physical graffiti. Big Led Zeppelin fan, so uh, um, yeah, that's that's my passion, and, and, and I'm always have... playing. I got loads of CDs as well, but uh, I've inherited my father's '78 records as well, so I've got 878 as well, <laughs> and a '78 record player to play them on. Do you have a room with the soundproofing on the walls and, and I, I don't. I, I, the uh, room next door here is my music room, but all it is is basically just where the vinyl records are, are, are stored and the 78s. It's actually in a, the 78s are actually in a, um, a glass cabinet, which either my, I think my grandfather or my great grandfather made. So it's a bit of a, um, you know, it get, my father has, is dead. He's very luckily alive, but he's in a nursing home and my mother has executed his well, will. So she rang me one day and said, uh, there's 878s up here. Uh, come and get them. Yeah. Love I'm it. just glad that we've got concrete floors to store it on. Can you share with us your journey of becoming uh, possibly the world's leading expert on social selling? Um, yeah, the, no, the world's leading expert. Come on. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so um, back in um, 2014, I was involved in a big sales transformation at a, a U.S. software company. Uh, we were a, um, an on-premise company. We were used to 18-month sales cycles. And I was in a meeting. We, we recruited somebody in from the competition. And they said, 
he said, we always close on the first meeting. And I just looked at him and said, repeat that. He said, I close on the first meeting. I said, we're in problems. I took him into the sales VP and I got him to repeat it. And, he, and we said, right now, we're going to go through a complete transformation of the way that we sell. Um, over two years, we taught um, 2,000 salespeople and 2,000 pre-salespeople about storytelling, uh, about opening presentations with a story. Uh, and interestingly enough, um, my partner still deals with that uh, software company. And I overheard a presentation from there and they're, they're still doing it. And actually, it, it makes such a difference because they're selling something that's boring and complex. And they start off with a story. And it, it really makes this impactful. Um, we can't do this right now, but whiteboarding and then some very rudimentary um, using of social, which is mainly, at the time it was mainly just looking people up. Uh, I'm a great believer in the power of the network. If you have a network, things will just turn up and they, and they do. Uh, and uh, a guy called Matt Reynolds basically contacted me over LinkedIn and said, we ended up having a coffee in London. And um, and in the end, I said, why don't we write a book? And by, within three months, we had a book deal. And, and then the book was out in another three months after that. So that was Social Selling Techniques to Influence Buyers and Changemakers, which has now sold five and a half thousand copies. Which is um, really good for a business it, book. Oh, it's just amazing. And um, it's, a, you know, it, it's just the world's greatest um, business card. I had an opportunity with a, um, a friend and a colleague to set up my own business four and a half years ago. So we set up DLA Ignite. Um, and what we do is that we transform companies with using social. Um, we started off using, this is about, I'm explaining you more because this is about technology and, and technology shifts. Um, we started off as any startup does, you need to have a, a minimal viable product. So we started off building the, the social selling programs, which we now uh, use. But our, our goal and our vision was always to, to get businesses to actually use social media strategically. Companies now, they use it tactically. You'll get a VP of sales posting something and then an email will go around saying, can you like the post? And actually what we do is that we get people to, to, use, to use the social from a strategic perspective. And now we've actually moved outside of sales. So we actually now do business transformation in sales, in marketing, in supply chain, in uh, procurement, in customer service, and in human resources. So what we're able to do is strip out costs and make organizations more efficient. And we're the only company in the world that does this. So you really do have a strong claim. You are the world's leading social selling expert. Yeah. Um, you know, there are lots of LinkedIn. There are the people that do social selling. There are lots of people that do LinkedIn training, but they don't do social selling in this way, which is which is to, to, to treat it as a change program. And what we do is we use change management techniques as a, a method, because the thing about social or the thing about, if you think about training, we've all been on training courses where we go, that's really interesting. We go back to our desks and we do exactly the same thing. You can't do that with social because we have to, we have to um, do things differently. So to use social to sell, it's not what you know, it's what you do. Yeah. And therefore, what we have to do is invoke a change, a mindset change and a habit change uh, in the students, if I can call them that. Um, and that's, Actually, getting people to do the social selling is not is not difficult, but it's actually about getting that evoking that change. Um, and the change that takes place is that classic people on social will write about their company and their products. We're not interested. Nobody's interested. Um, and what happens with salespeople is we don't like them. We avoid them. And and Gartner, you know, the reason why 
we spend time looking for things online is because we don't want to go to a salesperson because they're the enemy, they're manipulative. But we've actually come up with a program where we use psychology as a way to position yourself on social so people actually will walk towards you and actually see you as a human and go, that person looks interesting. Now, so so I've, I've just been on a call with one of my um, partners and resellers and I always use her, uh, Priscilla McKinney, I always use her LinkedIn profile as an example of what good looks like. And I show it to people and they go, oh, yeah, that's really interesting. She looks, reading that, she looks like a great person. I'd like to meet her. And I say, yeah, but you meet Priscilla, she'll try and send you something. They say, I don't care, I just want to meet her. And, and that is transformation. That's the difference from the way that people are teaching um, social and the way that they're teaching LinkedIn. It's different from saying when, when people will talk about their company and their products, which we're not interested in, to actually having someone where they've got a shop window of themselves up 24 hours a day, um, 365 days a week, where people are going, Priscilla looks interesting. I'm actually going to make contact with her and I want to have a call with her. Just think about you've got 200 salespeople. You scale that across your business. You've got 200 salespeople that people want to talk to. It's unheard of. Yeah, that's right. What else would you like to say about your history? And then we'll go into the... So that's really me up to the, 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 the current uh, present point, which is that we're, we're not a full service marketing agency. That's just basically an organization that wants to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. What we do is social and we just focus on that. So we're not interested in going into organizations and sorting out sales compensation or anything like that. There's lots of people that are really good at that. What we do is that we focus totally on whether it's social selling, digital selling, virtual selling or remote selling, that's what we do. And, and, and we're really good at it. And, and, you know, I'm biased, but we're the best people in the world for it. Why don't you start off by defining what is social selling? And then maybe you go to why is this so important? Maybe give some examples around it. The, the buying process has changed and has done, was changing pre-COVID. We now have access to mobile phones. We can go online and we can buy whatever we want and we don't have to to go to a salesperson and that's the the problem that salespeople have right now is that they're still living in this world where they think the buyer has to come to a salesperson to speak to them so when i was first in 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 uh, in sales to buy something from my company there weren't things like websites you had to come to me to buy i was in effect a gatekeeper for you to buy that now that's not the case you actually can go online and you can watch the videos and all the demos are online and all the brochures are online and you can actually come to a conclusion about what you want to buy. Now, I was aware five years ago of somebody that made a $250,000 accountancy software purchase by watching the YouTube videos. They rang up the salesperson and said, I want to buy it. And the salesperson said, don't you want a demo? And the person said, no, I just want to buy it. Now, not the best negotiating position, but um, I was aware of that five years ago. Um, I think that's now becoming more of the norm because more of people are spending time um, uh, online and researching. And certainly what's happened with the uh, with COVID is that there's been that switch where now um, you know, people are online because so I'm in the UK and I'm in lockdown. I can't go out. Um, well, I'm allowed to have one piece of exercise every day, but we spend our lives online. I'm currently doing some uh, coaching with um, someone who's actually still at university. Uh, so they're, what, 20 years old. 
Um, and she said something to me the other day, which was like, um, she just had a delivery of some clothes. And she said, uh, she said, yeah, there's a lot of people talking about this, the death of the high street. She said, uh, she said, a lot of people are surprised. She said, I'm not. I said, what's that? She said, I don't go to shops. I get everything delivered. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, and I think one of the things that's changed is that a lot of us that used to go to shops now do get things delivered. Um, you know, even my mother, who's 83, um, she runs a, she's got two wine groups, which she runs and she now runs them over Zoom. Um, and we all went through that, you know, what did we do Zoom and how do we press mute and, 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 you know, and all of those things. And we've seen all those mistakes and those um, things that have come up, but that's ch changed the way we think, it's changed the way we work and it's changed the way that we buy. Um, and we need to change the way we sell. Um, Gartner recently said that the sales team need to go to where the buyers are now, not where they used to be. Yes, definitely. COVID has sure accelerated the things we, we probably would have got there within the next five years, but it, it forced us to, to do a yes, lot of things. I think, we, I, think she, I think actually we got, you know, um, McKinsey saying that we've had 10 years worth of transformation. And I think that's the case. I think it would have taken 10 years to get where we are. I don't have any data, but I feel that there was a tipping point in October of last year here in the UK we, and, and in Europe. We had this lockdown one in March and April and, and May and June. And then everybody said, OK, right, well, we're finished. It's great. It's a summer and, and there's not a problem. And then, of course, what happened? We get into the winter months and we get lockdown two in, in um, September and October. And the majority of people said, I think we're like this now for, for a long time. There were a lot of people that were crossing their fingers and saying, oh, once we get into 2021, it will be OK. And of course, um, within two weeks, we've got a couple of problems going on in the US. Um, and then we end up back in uh, lockdown again. And, uh, you know, the vaccine may help. Would you have a meeting with a customer who hadn't been vaccinated? It's an open question, and, and I don't know yeah. what the answer is. Uh, would, yeah. would a customer want to meet a salesperson that hadn't been vaccinated? And, and, and I'm, again, it's, it's, it's open questions because we're in un uncharted territory. Um, and we're in, in chart, uncharted um, employment law. Um, I put a question out on Facebook the other day because uh, my father is in a nursing home. He's 88. Um, he has dementia and Alzheimer's. The NHS turned up and basically vaccinated all the, all the staff, all the patients, except for one um, nurse who refused to be vaccinated. And I put a question out, so what should we do? And of course, you get extremes of from... Yeah fire to it's your choice um and and the question is i don't know what the answer is i do know that two weeks later she got covid and and so you know the, all of these things are happening and i don't think that that anybody has really thought them out it's changed the way that we buy yeah is it going to be required for us to go on a flight or or on a cruise or to go to an industry convention, right? Are we going to have to? I, I think it, I mean, there's a debate going on here in the UK about um, vaccination passports. Um, what the government is saying here is we're not a government of enforcing people to have vaccinations. Um, and that's great. But I think what you'll find is that the um, the airplane companies and, the, you know, going to a gig, I'm, I'm a big fan of going to gigs and, 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 and that's going to require, I'm a big fan of travel. And, and that's going to require vaccination. But now going back to the subject today, it's 
change the way we buy. And all of these things have an impact about, are we going to go back to face-to-face meetings? I'm not sure we are. Or at least not to the same level that we did. You know, in in the past, when I've run my consulting firms, I I had a philosophy where my philosophy was that I've never closed a big deal without meeting face-to-face with someone, right? And and that was my philosophy. And I'd always fly out and I always would would, uh, invest in that FaceTime and that relationship. And I interviewed someone recently who took the exact opposite approach. She had almost no local business and she lived in a small town and, and almost 100% of her business was from all around the country. And she never flew out and met any of her clients and it worked just fine. And she had a great business. And I think maybe I was wrong. And obviously there's a value in face-to-face, but if we leverage technology effectively, we can do it with, with the video. I think, I think people are used to it. Um, and, and, you know, we can make um, relationships and have conversations very quickly with people on, on social media. And I think we're kind of used to that. Um, you know, if you take my, my, um, uh, my partner's 25 year old, um, he was in um, travel just before um, uh covid struck so he was just basically laid off and you know he got another job but he was of the covid era which is the interview was done online the first day and the induction was all done online i think he's only ever been into the office once um and and he was actually of the opinion he said i mean he said to his mom one day and said i'm living in london but i could go and live in barcelona couldn't i and do this job and well yes there's only an one hour time difference so he said right i'm off so he, he then went to um, Barcelona and worked out Barcelona because he had a mate there who had a room in his house. And he's quite right. He could still ring people and do all the things that he needed to do digitally. Um, it doesn't matter where you live. And he, he's probably going to go and try and doing it. He's got a girlfriend in Washington, D.C. And he's going to work um, UK hours, but um, um, live in Washington for a bit. Yeah. Well, and why not? Why not? That's right. And when I, that is a huge tectonic shift that is happening. I remember when I started my first business, the the thought of having a video conference and not just having video conferences, but having them free. We can, you can use all these technologies and talk with anyone over video for no cost. I remember back when I was a child, just to do an international phone call was so expensive. You paid. Yeah. I remember having, um, I remember having a a, 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 um, a group call facility, and and it was and it was so much a minute. You get to dial into these yeah. these things, and everyone was going, is, is, "Is this is costing us money?" And now wherever you know, I've I've I have a podcast myself, and I've interviewed people in Australia, which is the other side of the world to us. It's like twelve thousand miles or something, and you cannot tell. The person could be sitting in the room next to you. There's, there's no, because you must remember the times when there was a satellite delay where yeah. you'd, you'd interview some. You know, we, we, when we, when the, when the, um, we were interviewing people in Cape Canaveral when the Apollo missions, there was like a three-second um, satellite delay, and and now it's just perfect. And and yeah. we got the technology to to use, and we can have these meetings like this. Yeah, yeah, I remember the very first time I was interviewed after I'd started my first business 24 years ago, I think it was like an MSNBC interview or something. And there was that delay and you had to wait for the delay. And I remember feeling so stupid after that interview because I, I cut off the, the reporter who 
who said something and I responded and, and cut them off. And it's so nice to at least have much, much smaller delays than we used to have. What are the most common objections that people have about social selling and, and how do we overcome those objections? Um, I, I think there's, there's a number of objections. One is that um, there's a belief system that um, their customers are not on social and there will be. Um, for example, a decision maker, you know, a I'm 55, so a 55-year-old finance director might not be on LinkedIn, but because there will be a decision-making group of 10 people, I'm talking to a company that sell supply chain software, and they tell me there'll be 100 people involved in the sale. Um, so one person might not be, but the other 99 are. Um, and so Microsoft is Exure, for example, um, they actually look for, so in, in, on my book, I talk about change makers and it's a particular type of person um, different from a classic sales uh, methodology of, of someone who may be your sponsor on that. It, it, a change maker tends to be um, in their thirties or forties. They actually don't care what product is bought. What they're looking for is to get, you know, they're currently the deputy director or, then, you know, they want to get the VP ship. Um, and what they'll do is that they'll look at your products and services from how they're going to get to where they want to go. But what uh, Microsoft Azure do is that they actually look for that person and they know that if they give them strong content, they will then share that out in their organization. So this is, you know, this is about thinking about selling differently rather than just saying the person isn't on social, therefore I'm not doing it. Another objection we get is that, our, that they, people say we're doing it already. And what they're doing is that they're doing it tactically. I can see the thing about social is totally transparent. So I can see everything that's going on in your organization. I can, I can from your LinkedIn profile, it, it, it displays your culture, your purpose of your organization. Um, it displays um, what, how people value themselves because it, it, it's totally transparent and what they don't understand is that you actually this is about now it's not about being on social anymore it's about digital dominance and what we do is that we teach people to be completely dominant so completely basically putting out the whole of their competition and just taking over the in, in effect the, the share of voice and so therefore, when people are searching for that product and services, you are the only only answer. Um, and that can be done through people searching on social, plus people searching through um, things like Google and uh, Bing and people, things like that. Um, and that's the difference is that, you know, we get we go to, into organizations and we say, so you're doing social. Yeah, yeah, we're really killing it. Well, what's that mean? Well, we have someone in marketing and they put something, they put out a post every two weeks, right? And what do you get from that? Well, nothing. Definitely killing okay, so it. That, so that's actually a cost to your business, not a, a profit. And then you say to them, and they say, well, yeah, you know, well, we need to put, we we think that putting something out every two weeks is, is a great, um, is a great rhythm. You say, okay, so 13 days of, of, of those 14 days, you're invisible to your client. Oh is use the answer and say okay so you told me that your client is not on social very often right okay so let's say that they go on on a go on to social on a tuesday and you putting out a post on a wednesday they don't see you oh 
And this is the, the this is the thing is that the, the people think that what they're doing at the moment is adequate, and it's just it's just tactics. Um, the other thing that you see is that people take um, what they're doing, the messaging they're putting out and failing. You know, people don't look at ads, people don't read emails, um, you know, people don't um, take cold calls. I know it's slightly different in the, in the States, but what we're seeing is that there's, there's a gradual decline. Certainly cold calling died in, in Europe back in uh, 2018 when GDPR came out. Uh, HubSpot basically said, HubSpot who sell email marketing systems um, actually said that the email marketing now has a 98% failure rate and they've actually stopped, well, they're stopping sending out um, emails because they know it doesn't work anymore and they're biased because they sell them. So what we're seeing is this massive decline in the in, in what used to happen um, in terms of old school sales and marketing and there has to be some sort of replacement. But what companies do is that they take the messaging that's failing in those platforms and move it onto social. And so you see, for example, um, I've, uh, there was an um, article that came out recently, actually from HubSpot, about using social, and it was all about paid media. It's like paid media is nothing to do with social media. You know, pay, paid media is like buying a banner at a, um, a sports game and saying that you're a, a manager of a, of a team. It's, it, it, it's, it's nothing to do with it. You know, um, social is about organic and it's about people being interested in you and liking you and and interacting with you and you doing the same back. Um, and that's the the, 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 the the things that people kind of miss. It's it's trying to do analog ways in it in, in, and thinking it's digital. Thank you so much, Tim, for sharing your stories and knowledge with us today. Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, the majority of our customers these days will be on social media. Number two, if we think we are doing social already, we may want to examine how we are doing it to make sure we're reaching our ideal customers. Number three, don't use the same messaging from ads, emails, or cold calls on social media. Social media messaging should be used to form organic relationships with customers. Number four, consider opening presentations with stories to engage audiences. Number five, People are not generally super passionate about our companies or brands, but they do care about how we can help them achieve the things that they are most passionate about. Number six, as we navigate a post-COVID world, we must consider how it will impact businesses and pivot to take advantage of those opportunities. If you enjoyed this interview and want to learn more about Tim, you can find him on LinkedIn or visit his DLA Ignite website. And there's a link to both of those on the blog post for this episode. Did you like today's episode? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, you can get a free monetization assessment of your business or subscribe to the free monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number two, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast or YouTube channel. Number three, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. How have you seen businesses effectively using social selling? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining us for this episode. I wish you success in achieving your monetization goals. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, 
please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.